Jim Crockett Promotions presents Ric Flair's Last Match, July 31st at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. StarCast Weekend in Nashville, bringing wrestling companies together for one of the most unique cards ever assembled. Main evented by Ric Flair's Last Match. Tickets are on sale right now at rickflairslastmatch.com. And you can catch the show live streaming on pay-per-view and Fight TV for only $34.99. Ric Flair's Last Match. Walk in that aisle one more time for the last time. StarCast is presented in part by ProWrestlingTees.com. T-shirts designed and sold by over 2,500 pro wrestlers. By Lenny Bakken, certified financial planner. And by Powerbomb Pizza. Pizza crafted and sold by pro wrestlers. Powerbomb Pizza, powered by Kitsch Data. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. It made national headlines when it was announced that Ric Flair would be returning to the ring for one last match. And the story that unfolds leading up to that match will be told every Monday this month at 6.05 Eastern. We invite you to come along and witness the Nature Boy's path back to the ring for his last match. The behind-the-scenes discussions, the workouts, the promotion, the ups and downs, the blood, sweat, and tears, which will all culminate on Sunday, July 31st at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium when Ric Flair will step through those ropes and enter a JCP ring for one last match. Mondays, 6.05 Eastern, RicFlair'sLastMatch.com. Hey everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on AdFreeShows.com. Join me and my co-host John Alba every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight-up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am good, my friend. A lot of things going on in the world of uh, professional wrestling. I've got my AG1 right here. Come on, let's go. Just to prove that this is the way I start my day. I got a little bit of a later start today. Excuse me one second. 
I got to get my nourishment. Oh, there you go. Athletic greens, big part of the show lately. And uh, Eric's mm. really using it. And of course we're going to be talking mm. about some other things that Eric is using a little later, but I think <laughs> you, you sort of buried the lead when you said a lot going on in professional wrestling and no, we're not talking about Claudio Castagnoli winning the <laughs> ring of honor world title last night, uh, as we're recording this from Jonathan Gresham, although it was a hell of a match. And I don't know that you had a chance to see that pay-per-view, but go out of your way to see FTR and the Briscoes, Eric, you're going to absolutely love it. Just a, a fantastic, I mean, a fantastic bout that people will be talking about for a long, long time, but that wasn't even the big story. The big story was Vince McMahon retiring from WWE. And I can't imagine that you or I ever thought we would say that sentence on this show, but here we are. No, I, I never thought that would happen. I, I, you know, we all, we all die. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's always that. Right. But I would, I, I, I personally thought that, you know, Vince would be sitting in that seat until the day he drew his last breath. Right. Um, so for, you know, to hear that he voluntarily, <clears throat> voluntarily re resigned, um, it was shocking, you know, and it was, it, I, I'm still processing it. It's still hard for me to believe. I, I woke up this morning and I saw an image on my social media and, uh, it was a picture of WWE headquarters in Stanford. And I thought for a second, man, it's like, can you imagine what it's like walking into that building, knowing you won't see Vince McMahon there ever again, no. at least not professionally as the leader. It would be weird. It would be really weird. I can't remember what floor is his office was on. I think maybe the fourth, fourth floor fourth. And it would be really weird to walk down those halls and not anticipate his presence. It'd be really weird. So I, I try to place myself, you know, in the shoes of like Bruce, you know, our buddy and a lot of other people that I know there that I'm very friendly with close to going to be a weird day for them. Come Monday morning, man. We're really weird. I, um, I never even thought about the space. What do you think they do with Vince's office? Do they just leave him in office? Do they turn it into a memorial like Graceland? Uh, does <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're moving anyway, aren't they? I mean, don't they have a new building? But in the meantime, but in the meantime, you know, I don't know. Will Stephanie move into that building? I don't know. Is Nick Khan going in there? I don't know. You know, well, we'll talk about Nick Khan. Cause there's, you know, there's a lot to talk about here today. And I know, I know we normally talk about, you know, legacy and, and nostalgia and what happened when 20 years ago and things like that. And I love doing that, man. It's, it's a, it's a rush for me to do. But I think today is a little different. This is probably going to be the first podcast that lands Monday morning talking about what just was announced late Friday. Um, so I think we owe it to ourselves, to our listeners, to enlighten as well as entertain and kind of put this all into a perspective. It's, it's pretty amazing when you think about you know, what happens next, how we got here. You know, the, this company has really, you know, certainly I, I, his impact on wrestling can't be overstated. Is that fair to say? <laughs> that's, that's putting it mildly. Look, it is, 
as belligerent and obnoxious and whatever it is I was when I was competing against Vince McMahon, here's the truth. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do all that crap that created the Monday Night Wars. That opportunity for me to step into that moment in time when all things were working and and everything was lined up and for me to be able to go head-to-head with Vince McMahon, that would have never happened had it not been for the vision and the footprint that Vince McMahon created. Think about that. None of this stuff, AEW, are you kidding me? None of that stuff, WCW, are you kidding me? None of that would have existed had Vince not proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in a way that the Crockett's couldn't do, Vern Gagne couldn't do, none of the other regional promoters who had these wild-ass dreams knew how to do it or really had the vision to, to take wrestling from what it once was. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it, man. I'm nostalgic for the territory days. I see a lot of value in many things that were such an integral part of the territory structure that is lacking today. And that's a whole nother conversation, but everybody tried. Everybody went, Oh man, what if we did, what if we did this? Vince McMahon did it. And if Vince McMahon wouldn't have done it, Ted Turner would not have been interested in competing with him. And oh, by the way, if Ted Turner and Turner Broadcasting wouldn't have been interested in competing with him and created the number one television show, not wrestling show, television show each and every week, um, AEW would have never gotten an opportunity. So it all, all roads lead no matter how much you've enjoyed or hated or whatever, no matter how much you've seen and how much this industry has changed over the last 30 years, all of those roads lead to Vince McMahon. And to deny that or not give its, its proper respect, I think is a reflection on weakness of character. You can dislike him. You can even harbor grudges and resent him. You may latch on to things that you read, think that they're automatically true because it, it reflects what you feel. And, oh, my God, it's an evil bastard. Or you can look at him and go, you know what? Until I see proof, I'm not buying in. It's probably where I fall. But regardless of how you feel, you can't deny the facts. They're, they're there. Okay, Eric, let's take a time out right now and talk about our friends at chili sleep. Uh, Eric, you've been to my house long before chili sleep and you would comment, dude, at night you could hang meat in this house because I knew I slept better when it was cooler. And science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. You see that temperature controlled sleep will repair your muscles after a hard day's work. But more importantly for me, it improves your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. A lot of folks don't know this, but every morning, Eric, when I wake up, I have to do live radio commercials for our mortgage company. I don't have to, I get to, but it happens really, really early in the morning. And then on the weekends, sometimes I've got you up before the chickens, because that's when I'm ready to go. And it's all because of chili sleep, chili sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your tire. Well-being that's been my experience before chili sleep. I would sleep five, six, maybe sometimes seven hours. 
but man, I'm up and down. I'm peeing a few times. I'm fighting and fussing with my pillow and the covers. I'm just trying to keep my temperature regulated. Not anymore. I have no trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, but more importantly, I don't wake up feeling tired. I give all the credit to that to chili sleep way back when after lunch, man, I felt like I had a crash and a lot of that. I just thought was, I got to do something different here or there. No, I wasn't getting the right kind of sleep. And here's a telltale sale sign of how I knew that I didn't have dreams. Now with chili sleep, I have bright, vivid, colorful dreams. They feel real. Now, I'm not excited necessarily about the dreams. I'm just saying it tells me, I know I'm getting that REM sleep. You see, chili sleep makes the Uller and the cube sleep system. Either way, they're hydro powered, temperature controlled mattress toppers. So it fits over your existing mattress. It's not a new mattress. You just throw it on what you got right now, but it's going to give you the ideal temperature. And it's almost like when we were a kid with the story of the three bears or whatever, this bed's too hard. This bed's too soft. This one's just right. Ideal is different for everyone. My wife likes to sleep warmer. I like to sleep colder. We can do that in the same bed. Thanks to chili sleep. I have really loved the way chili sleep has impacted my life. I'm not kidding. None of this was ad copy. I'm just telling you the way I feel. And Eric, you've got one too. There's nothing like chili sleep sleep, right? Yeah. I don't know if I told you this, but when I built this house here, Mrs. B and I back in 98, because we live in Wyoming, it gets up to 80 or 90 during the summer, but it drops down to 50 or 60 at night. Most of the time. Right. And because it gets cool at night, you could just open up the windows. We thought, oh, hell, we don't need an air conditioning system in this house. We can skip that. Well, every once in a while, as we have, like the rest of the country in the past 10 days, we get hit with an incredibly hot streak, incredible hot streak. And we'll be up into the mid 90s, high 90s, even here in Wyoming, but it doesn't get cool at night. So, it, it can be real miserable here in the summertime, sleeping at night, occasionally. Chili sleep changed all that. With chili sleep, even when it's 85 and 90 at night and there's no breeze and we have no air conditioner, guess what? We're still sleeping great. Kid you not. True story. Check it out for yourself. I love it. Eric loves it. I got my parents using it. I got everybody I know in love with chili sleep. Head over right now. As JR says, it costs nothing to look boys and girls. It's chillysleep.com forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and save 30% off any new cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners and only for a limited time. That's chilly C H I L I sleep.com slash 83 weeks to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You know what? I've always believed that nobody's all good. Nobody's all bad. You know, that's just the, we can't paint with such broad strokes. And I do believe there's a whole lot of stuff that we could, we could gripe about and complain about. And, oh, I wish he wouldn't have done that. I can't believe he did this and all that, all that exists, but the impact he had on professional wrestling, I just don't think can be overstated. And more importantly, what everybody's interested in now, 
at least from my purview, is not just what has happened. And I'm sure there'll be more of that to come out. And I want to talk about that, but what's next. And I really, I could be talked into thinking of a, a variety of ways about all of this. On the one hand, I'd, I'd like to think, I, I think business will continue business as usual. On the other hand, I'm not so sure what it even looks like without him. And I think that that's even basically been stated in some investor calls and, 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 and pamphlets and brochures and, you know, just all, I mean, it's hard to imagine. I'm sure once upon a time, it was hard to imagine what Disney would look like without Walt. And, but yet we know it continued and this is going to continue, but what it looks like without him, that's interesting to think about. And I don't think anybody, perhaps even those involved themselves have their, their arms around that, so to speak. What do you expect will change? You know, we've heard over the years, the criticism that, oh, Vince is a crazy person and he can't sneeze and you know, all the little nuanced, you know, Vince stuff, but you've also heard, oh, he'll, he changes his mind and he'll write a show and then hate the show. And I mean, all of that stuff is out there. So on the one hand, I think, well, maybe this does clear the way a little bit for that creative process to change and evolve. And maybe it does mean that things could look and feel a little differently. Uh, which might be a good thing if you are somebody who's been a frustrated WWE fan, but on the other hand, it's just weird to think about it happening without him. What say you look three years ago today, I was doing this podcast with you from Stanford, Connecticut. That's true. Less than three years ago today, I was working with Vince on an almost daily basis, pretty close in, you know, intimately involved with the creative process. Now, admittedly for a short period of time, it was only four months. Yeah. But in that four month period of time, I got a front row seat, not only front row, I was in, in the it. ring yeah. Yeah. with Vince creatively Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, when I first got there, people don't remember this. Bruce was kind of in and out. Bruce still had a home in Houston and he had some health issues and he had some personal things going on. So a lot of the, uh, you know, learning the lay of the land and the process, you know, it, uh, you know, I was kind of there flying solo learning that I didn't have, didn't have Bruce to kind of assist me through it, you know? And I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, about the WWE process. I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question and I'm going to do it thoughtfully and as honestly as I possibly can, but I want to make sure I, I, I am so clear about what I'm about to say. I personally have nothing but the utmost respect for Vince McMahon. If that isn't already apparent, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us would be doing what we're doing right now in any company. If it were not for Vince McMahon or this podcast, <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> one day at a time. Um, that said, you asked me what I think is going to happen going forward. I think the creative process is going to be greatly, 
greatly enhanced. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see some incredibly talented people begin to do what they're capable of doing without an almost unbearable process to do it in. What's an unbearable process? What do I mean by that? Again, it's hard to say these things without sounding disrespectful. And I, I don't mean to be because Vince's process worked so well for Vince McMahon that the WWE is now a $5 billion public company. Yeah. So let's, let's just keep that in mind as I'm being critical, criticizing the process, but spending a weekend, spending a week, all week, writing a show, presenting that show at midnight or two o'clock in the morning when you're, when your meeting was scheduled for five in the afternoon, and you've waited around for eight hours. And it's not like you're able to keep yourself busy because you can't move forward with anything until you get an approval with what you've done thus far. Right. What are you going to do? Just rewrite another show out of thin air for no reason. You know, it, it was the creative process is a, it's a series of meetings of building until you get a rough draft of a show in front of Vince, send it on Friday night depending on what show you're doing, of course, for, you know, for, for raw would be, you know, get it done, get it to Vince Friday night, maybe Saturday morning. And then everybody on that writing team is standing by on Saturday morning. Been there, done that. Telling you what I experienced Saturday morning. You get up, you're not going anywhere. And you can go walk your dog. You can maybe run around the corner and get, you know, some scrambled eggs at the deli. But it's not like you're going to go off and do anything on a Saturday because you're all st on standby. Because when Vince gets that rough, rough draft, he, he he's going to look at it. But you don't know if he's going to look at it Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. You don't know if he's going to want to get on the phone with two or three of you or maybe the whole team to go over it. Um, let's assume, as it was often the case, you get kind of a tentative green light. Okay, go ahead, finish it up. And you get to the jet Monday morning, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, whatever. And you've got, and by the way, some, some poor intern was up all weekend long making copies and copies and copies and copies and copies of all kinds of things. So when, when you get to the jet on your way to TV, there's a stack of paperwork about this high that Vince needs to review in there is the show and he'll review the show on the plane and maybe make some changes or suggestions and then you get to the building. And when it's time for the production meeting, you don't know what's going to happen. And you're, sometimes you're starting from scratch. Sometimes you're doing major reconstructive surgery. Sometimes you get out of that production meeting, you got a pretty good idea what you're going to do. There may be one or two things in the show that isn't completely buttoned up yet, but you're working on that and you feel pretty confident. And then you go about your business and then the talent starts showing up. Well, certain talent has certain access. And all of a sudden at five o'clock, you're thinking that your show is done, but there's been conversations happening that you didn't know about. And the show changes mm -hmm. a lot, not a little, a lot. And you're scrambling until I've been there two minutes before showtime to get something approved. 
that's hard, man. It's hard. And it's an amazing team of people that have been able to make that process work, including our buddy Bruce. Yeah. Just to mentally and emotionally be able to function in that environment is an amazing accomplishment all by itself. There should be medals and shit. Right. But what, what suffers is the creative. It really does. And I think now there'll be, because everybody, look, Stephanie spent time as head of creative. Yeah. How'd that work out by the way? Mm. Working with Vince is tough. Even for Stephanie. Yes. Triple H spent some time in that role. Yes. How'd that work out? <laughs> not so much. And, and that's not because he didn't have the talent. Right. It's because that process with that guy and he made no concessions for them or anybody else. Right. You had to work his schedule. You had to be available. If that phone rang at two o'clock in the morning, you better know your shit. You be- better be able to open your eyes and have a coherent conversation about what you may have thought was an obscure little detail that didn't really matter too much. Mm. But if you didn't have a full grasp of your entire show at two o'clock in the morning, 30 seconds after you open your eyes, whew, that plane ride on Monday morning is going to suck for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe the whole day. <laughs> so my point is Stephanie has experienced that triple a has experienced triple H has, ex- has experienced that. Because they've experienced this, is it likely they're going to pick up where Vince left off? Or is it more likely that there's going to be a different approach that's going to make it a whole lot more functional and easier on the creative team that will, I think, within the relative short term, 60, 90 days, I think you're going to start seeing a lot better creative. Nothing drastic. Nothing that's going to make people go, oh, wow, I can't believe they're doing that. Not that. But I think you're it, going to see story. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see consistency in story because that's what's lacking right now. This whipsaw creative that we see is just, ugh, you, can't, you can't build anything that way. You're just getting by week to week. So I, I, I anticipate a much better creative process that will yield eventually a much, much better product in terms of storytelling and character development. All right, Eric, now it's time to talk about one of our favorite things to talk about. We're talking about Rectech. This is an amazing company that offers wood pellet grills fueled by all natural hardwood pellets. They've got all the other stuff you could want too: coolers, apparel, grill accessories, whatever. And they've got a range for every budget. Maybe you're looking for a 399 grill. They got it. Maybe you want the Mac daddy, almost competition level, $3,000 rig. They got that too. For every lifestyle, for every budget, here's what they have in common. A key focus on flavor, convenience, and versatility. But most importantly, their factory direct pricing, well, it eliminates all the middlemen and all grills ship for free. Plus all Rectech grills are made with high quality stainless steel. That's built to last a lifetime. And I can vouch for that. I had a different type of wood pellet smoker before. Uh, you know, the type I'm talking about. And then I discovered Rectech. It's a whole different feel. This is much thicker, much heavier, much more high quality. You can just feel it. You know, when a quality products in your hand or not, this feels more substantial, 
but buddy, they're winning in every other way too. This is like half the cost of the other grill that I had. Now the Rectech flagship model is called the RT 700 and it comes with a 40 pound pellet hopper. That's more than I had before 702 square inches of cooking space, more than I had before the PID Wi-Fi controller. And by the way, that's better too. The other one, I couldn't turn my grill on. I can turn my Rectech on remotely. Thanks to this unbelievable Wi-Fi controller. But how about this? A six year bumper to bumper warranty. You can't get that anywhere else. With Rectech, you can bake, smoke, sear, grill, even dehydrate on the grill, all with the push of a button. And that's why those in the know choose Rectech. But it's not just me choosing Rectech. You love yours too, right, Eric? Yeah, and there's two things I really want to point out here. One you touched on, but I want to dig in a little deeper. The Wi Fi uh, technology. Yeah, you can turn your grill on and off, but um, it also comes with two meat probes. So you can have two different cuts of meat, or if you've got a large, you know, slab or a brisket or something, and you want to keep track of, you know, the entire brisket, not just one portion of it. Anyway, you use your meat probes. So you can not only turn your grill on and off remotely, like from across country if need be. Uh, I don't know why, but you could. Um, but you can also monitor the temperature, the internal temperature of the product that you're cooking. And the internal temperature is if you become the master of deciding, number one, what's the internal temperature I want? Do I want it rare? Do I want it medium rare? Do I want it somewhere in between? You can set that temperature, monitor the process while it's cooking from across the country. If need be, you could literally grill your friends and family, a steak dinner from 1500 miles away. Wow. And it would turn out perfect. Think about that. So you're not only turning it on the grill on and off, you're monitoring the temperature of the grill and you can adjust it one degree at a time if you want to be that precise. But more importantly, while you're monitoring all that, you're monitoring the internal temperature of the meat that you're cooking. And by doing that, you that now you're turning in, now you're getting into the grill master neighborhood right? You're achieving things consistently that people are generally hit or miss with, which is why grilled food, if you don't have that kind of control, it's, yeah, sometimes it's really good. People are like, oh man, you're good. Other times you're kind of, oh, oh, not what I wanted. Man, I'm telling you, Rectech, I love it if you can't tell. One other thing, I'm a little bit of a clean freak when it comes to my grill, not the inside of my truck. If you look at the inside of my truck, you think, oh my God, somebody's living in this thing. Get them help, sign them up for something, get them a counselor, whatever. But when it comes to my grill, I don't like to see a fingerprint on it. I don't like a dirty grill. It just bugs me. And the Rectech, it's stainless steel, majority of it. It is so easy to keep it looking like it is fresh out of the box. So not only are you impressing your friends and family with the Epicurean skill that you've developed and mastered on your Rectech, looks like it's brand new off the showroom floor and it's easy. It takes 20 minutes or less. So I can't say enough good things about this grill, brother. Check it out. Boys and girls toss that tasteless gas grill, that messy charcoal grill, or even that overhyped brand name grill aside and join an elite wood pellet grilling family by focusing on flavor, convenience, and versatility. Rectech sets the new standard in grilling. Visit rectech.com. That's R E C T E Q and use the code Bischoff to get 5% off site wide. That's 5% off their top notch wood pellet grills. They're one of a kind Rectech ice or coolers. They're chef tested rubs and sauces, the accessories, the merchandise, everything 5% off. 
That's rectech.com. And the code is Bischoff. That's R E C T E Q.com. The code is Bischoff. Eric loves his. I love mine. You're going to love yours. It's rectech.com. What do you, uh, we're going to talk about him. Like he's not here. I feel a little weird about that, but people want to hear it. What do you think is going to happen to Bruce? I, I, I can't imagine that Bruce is going to do anything other than continue to be successful in WWE for the same reason I just got done talking about. Mm-hmm. Look, there's, look, there's, there's history in politics. Some of it I'm aware of. Some of it I'm not, to be honest. Kind of maybe a little bit aware, but let's just put personalities and politics for the moment. You can't make them go away because they're always there. Let's just put them off to the side. You're Triple H. You've got a pretty big job ahead of you getting that locker room. From a human resources point of view, you've got a pretty big job ahead of you right there. And you're still, you need to start focusing on talent. You, you can't take the foot off, your foot off the gas right? And, and get back to that six months from now because there's going to be a point at some time that six months is going to go, whoa, wish we wouldn't have taken our eye off the ball or a year or whatever. You've got to keep that process running. And, and, I, and I'm guessing, I don't know, you know, Triple H on a personal level, but I'm, I, I do know him from working with him. Um, he's going to be pretty hyper-focused. He's going to have to hyper-focus on, a, you know, multiple things, but that's going to be one thing he's going to be really focused on. And like I said earlier, does Triple H want to get highly involved in the creative process? I don't think so. That's why I don't think he's that good at it. You know, I don't think that that's his, not don't, don't, I know I just fuck. Sometimes it's the way I say things. It's not what I say. It's the way I say it. I think he is an extremely talented, huge asset in the creative process. I, I think he's invaluable in the creative process. Do I think he should be in the Vince McMahon chair making the ultimate call? Absolutely not. Do I think he should be in that room with probably one of the loudest voices or most important voices in that room? Absolutely. I do, but you need somebody there that is super at the creative process that knows how to get the best out of writers that knows how to manage the creative process. Not necessarily be the one to come up with the best idea. That, that can come from somebody in catering. But it's what do you do with that really great idea and how do you build it and grow it and nurture it so that it becomes a valuable asset? That's, that's going to be important. And I don't think Triple H wants to be that guy. Let, let me, I, I don't mean to cut I you off, but I impression. I want to ask this about Triple H since we're talking about him. We'll circle back to Bruce, but you were around, you know, our topic today, which we'll get to eventually boys and girls, I promise is uh, Eric's run in the WWE in 2004. So you, you were around in Oh two and in Oh three and Oh four and then went back creatively. And I mean, so you've been around and, and seen how the sausage is made as the expression goes. Do you remember? Like, tell us your favorite 
Cause I mean, you said he wasn't very good or whatever you said. And, and I made a face and you responded, give us like your favorite triple H idea that you remember being in a meeting and being like, damn, that's profound. See, that's, and that's what's so hard, Conrad. I mean, in my talent run 2004, you know, I got there in 2002, I think it was July. Yeah. And I was there till, I don't even remember when I left. Is it 2006, 2005? Fuck. I don't know. I was there for a minute Yeah, as a talent, but as a talent, I never got to see the sausage making process. I say I saw, I got the sausage. When I got to the building, they handed me a sausage and said, here, eat, eat this. this. Yeah. You know, um, I never saw, I never knew whose idea was what. Now, WWE was really good about that, by the way. It's a little, little thing that I noticed. I noticed it when I was talent, but I noticed it even more when I was embedded in the creative process. They wouldn't tell you whose idea was what you do. You never knew and you you never brought it up. Mm. You never discussed it. You never asked about it. Now, now those of us in the process, obviously, um, but once, once you left the building, once you left Stanford headquarters and you got in the car to go to the airport, to get on a plane, to go to the building, the identity of, of the idea or, or the person who came up with any idea or strategy never discussed. And I thought that was really cool when I first got there as a talent in 2004 or 2002, but all through my run there, and certainly in 2004, is when, when, when I got my segments, I never knew if it was a Vince idea, if it was the guy in catering, if it was Brian Gewertz, if it was Ed, if it was Dave Lagana, if it, you never knew whose idea anything was. And the reason I like that so much, and I think that's such a valuable management lesson that I learned from WWE, you know, talk about what I learned working there. I learned that when you put an identity to an idea, it changes people's perception of that idea based on their relationship with that person. And you probably saw that in WCW where they would say, Hey man, disco said, Hey, Nash liked, and then inherently whoever is receiving that information, they put that, that tent over it. So politically we heard over the years that maybe Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan didn't always see eye to eye on creative and stuff. And maybe if you took an idea to Hulk and you said, Hey, Kevin had a great idea immediately. Hulk has this, Hmm. What could this mean? He can't just see the idea for what it is. No, he's, he's looking, he's looking for the, he's looking for the, the angle behind this, the angle. Yes. Yes. What's his, oh, 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 why did he suggest this? Hmm. Mm-hmm. What's in it for me, brother. And that's not Hulk Hogan. That's everybody. That's, that's just human, human nature. nature yes. Yes. It is human nature. Yes. If, so, and I, when I, first realized that in WWE, I went, wow, that is powerful. Yes. That is a very powerful lesson that I learned here because I never thought about that. It never occurred to me. This episode is brought to you by car shield who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. Car shield is the number one auto protection company in the U S and offers protection plans for around a hundred bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. 
And let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic and car shields administrators handle the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches you're taking care of. Same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options, trip reimbursement, at no extra cost, too. Get your coverage today, and you'll lock in your price now, and it will never, ever go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising costs of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Ask me about what you just said one week from now, because I have a story that relates to it. Okay. So just make a little note. Let let me Uh, follow up on this though, because you and I have had, you know, we've become really, really good friends and we have conversations and, and two of our favorite words together are, Hey, what if, and we routinely, I will hit you with that. Or you will hit me with that. And we just grin because we know here comes an idea. Uh, and, and we like that, but sometimes the original idea is pretty good, but then there can be someone else in the room who hears that idea and takes a pretty good idea and makes it fan fucking tastic. And that's a special skill in and of itself. Maybe that second person who had that second, even better sort of turning the volume up on the first idea, maybe they don't get the credit for the first idea, whatever, but that second kicking it in a high gear, little oomph that you sprinkle on top is really what makes it special. If you had to categorically describe Bruce and Hunter, and I know neither one are doing creative, I mean. They're both not doing creative ones, doing creative ones, doing talent relations is Bruce more the original idea guy or the sprinkle on top guy. And is Hunter, the original idea guy or the sprinkle on top guy. Does that make sense? You know, it makes sense. Uh, I haven't worked with Hunter enough in a creative and I have a little bit, a little bit. And I've certainly, when I was there, you know, a couple of years ago, heard a lot from Hunter during production meetings when, you know, the whole room was there. It wasn't like it was closed set or anything. Right. Right. Uh, you, you, so you can hear his thought process, right? You, you get a feeling for how someone sees creative based on the way they react to things and discuss and contribute in a collaborative environment. Yes. You get a real insight as to what people, what makes people tick where their hot buttons are. Right. And that's why I said, and I should have said it more clearly. I just don't think that's Triple H's strong suit. I'll get to Bruce in a minute because they're two different people. But I say, but Triple H is that guy that can hear that idea from the catering person. Think about it for 20 minutes and then weave it into something that is really, really good. Mm. He can build upon it. Got it. I just don't see him coming up with those ideas. And by the way, that's not to say that they're both not valuable pieces of the process. No, you need them both because it's, it's a left brain, right brain thing in a way. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the one side of your brain's analytical, the other side of your brain is creative, I guess. I don't know. I've heard that before somewhere. Yeah. But in, in, in usually people who are really good analytically, whether it be with numbers or engineers, which is numbers, obviously it's all numbers, but you know, people who are analytical thinkers and critical thinkers are generally not the idea, the, the person that's going to go, hey, what if we do this? They're not those guys. That's that's Triple H, in my opinion, what little I've had to work with. Right, right. Bruce, on the other hand, and Bruce is, he's a lot like Paul. And a lot like, here's a good analogy. The difference between Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard, in my opinion, is that Paul Heyman is 75% creative brain, 25% analytical brain. Paul's a very, very top-line creative guy. Very. On the execution side, detail side, all the things that you need to do that Triple H is really good at, and so is Bruce. <sighs> you need you need a Paul with a Bruce or a Paul with a Heyman with a Triple H. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on either one. And what you really need is a good team of like six or eight people that have that same quality. Some skew a little bit bigger on the big idea side of the equation. And if I, if I was building a team, I'd want about 25% of my team on the just sit around thinking about what if. That's all I want is what if. Don't come to work and you know write a promo. I want you to come to work and come up with what if ideas for the next year or two or three creatively. And then... These guys over here will always have something fun to work on. Yes. You know, just keep those what if ideas coming. That's all your job is. You just make those widgets, they'll make the wadgets, and together we're a widget whacket company. Whatever. You need that balance. And I think Bruce skew when you compare it to me now, it's me. I worked a lot with Bruce. I looked, worked a lot with Bruce and TNA. Certainly I worked a lot with Bruce as a talent, WWE. He was my producer. Got Really got inside his head creatively then because I was on the receiving end of it. It's easy, right? Learn a lot. Um, I, I think Bruce is a better, bigger idea person than Triple H, but I think Triple H has a very, very unique talent from a psych- psychology perspective mm-hmm. that Bruce doesn't quite have because he's done it more. And and look, Triple H. You know, he's a student of the game. Eh, he is. That's just a cool thing to say. He's a very he's he's a student. He loves it. Of business and 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 his business, creative. So I I think the combination of the two with Paul in the mix on there in there somewhere. I don't know. That may or may not work. I don't know. Paul's pretty unique. As if as if as are most highly creative people. A little bit of a handful. The next logical question is, do you think everybody can coexist? Everybody being Hunter and Stephanie, 
lots of questions there. We're not going to talk about them on the show. Nick Khan, Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn. They've all sort of looked up to Vince and said, whatever Vince says, I mean, everybody's sort of been deferential, even those cast of characters. Right. And so now if that guiding light to use a phrase is not there, can that work? You think? I think it can. And again, I have to be honest. I, I don't know anybody there well enough or their histories to really have much more than a superficial half-assed opinion, a gut feeling. It's it. It's it. Here's my take. And, and I disagree with you a little bit. Yes. When I was there, it was Kevin Dunn, um, Bruce Pritchard, certainly, um, Nick Khan wasn't there while I was there. So I have no idea. Um, I forgot about that, but you predated Nick. Yeah. He didn't come in until yeah. 20. You were there in 19. Yeah. Brad, uh, what was this, the, I think Brad's still there, but I think you mean George and Michelle. George and Michelle. Well, I don't know if Brad's still all there. All of them were, look, all of it, you know, they knew where the buck stopped. Right, right. Everybody knows it's Vince. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to quote verbatim, you know, conversations, but I can tell you there were many times that I've had conversations with Kevin Dunn where there was an extreme, there was a healthy amount of frustration and disagreement with the decision that was made. So it wasn't like they're lap dogs, right? No, no. I didn't mean to imply that. I just meant, no, ultimately. I know you didn't, but I don't want any, cause sometimes I, I this is my fault, man. So I say shit. I know exactly what I mean. <laughs> right. I go, Oh fuck. That's not what I meant. Right. But no, I look, yes, they all knew where the buck stopped. There was a tremendous amount of loyalty. Loyalty was the one thing. I had, if I had to pick one word that best described my experience and what I saw at WWE, it would be an incredible loyalty across the board, across the board, Loyal, loyalty to the company, loyalty to their peers, loyalty to the product, to the legacy, of the business it was really incredible, but there was a lot of frustration too, a lot of it. And a lot of people knew what the problem was. Problem was the process. Mm-hmm. It had devolved into a lifestyle that only one guy enjoyed, and everybody else was forced to suffer with, including Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard, Mike Mansuri, others who were all on the receiving end of it. High level people that were on the receiving end of executing that process, as dysfunctional as it was. Now, can they all get along? What's their motivation? Does Kevin Dunn have any motivation to stick around? Well, the How scene- old is Kevin Dunn? I know, I'm asking rhetorical questions because I don't, I don't expect you to know the answer. But let's say Kevin Dunn is close to my age. I think that's fair. I don't know. I'm 67. Let's say, let's say Kevin's only 63, 64. Kevin's got a shit ton of money in the bank. A ton, so he's not money motivated. I, I, I don't know why he would be. He's got enough for three lifetimes. He's got a beautiful home down in Florida. He's done this all, man. He's been through this war. He's been through all of the wars. He went through the drug trials. He went through the 
all the Monday Night Wars and almost, you know, having to shut down. He he's gone through it all. Now he's now he's in this, and it's like, at what point does a guy like Kevin Dunn go? I, I got enough money, man, and I kind of dig Florida. This boat is sweet. You know, cocktail at the country club at two o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesdays. Not a bad way to spend an afternoon. Or I can go back to work and start over in terms of a process and, and, and continue to ride this thing. I think Kevin is one of those people that was there as much out of loyalty, maybe more so out of loyalty than he was out of money. Mm -hmm. Unless there's something coming up that we don't know about. Like if there's some big new way of shooting wrestling, there's right. new camera equipment come out. There's new, some new technology that is on the verge of being announced that Fox is involved in it. Kevin gets to put his hands on it and play with it. If there's something professionally like that, that would motivate Kevin, I think Kevin might stick around, but other than that, what's the motivation? So I think Kevin's out. There's my prediction. I think Kevin's going to walk. I can't imagine at this stage of his life wanting to, to continue the grind when you've accomplished as much, so much, not that he can't accomplish more, but Man, come on. Um, Triple H and Triple H and, and Bruce. I don't know, man. Bruce. Bruce is smart. Look, Bruce survived Vince for the last three and a half or four years. He'll make it. If he can survive that, he can. If he chooses to, he can. He can manage up, manage around. He can manage himself to stay if that's what he chooses to do. And I think Triple H has a season of value. And Bruce, that whatever he may, he may, he may not want to go out and, you know, have dinner with him, but I think he knows and respects Bruce well enough. And I think Bruce and triple H are fine. All right, Eric, we've talked about it a little bit today, this coming weekend, you and I are going to be in Nashville and we're going to be celebrating the nature boy. You're going to be roasted. You're probably going to need a drink afterwards. Don't worry. I'm bringing Z biotics. I'm doing that because as you know, We've both got to be up at the crack of dawn the next day doing meet and greets and panel discussions and meeting and shaking and all the, uh, all everything in between Zbiotics allows us to be productive humans, but still do what we like to do, which is be social and fellowship. And as we get a little older, man, those next day routines, those get a little tougher. Here's what we're talking about today. I think you're going to love this Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's very first genetically engineered probiotics. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle those rough mornings after drinking. And here's how it works. When you drink alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration. That's to blame for your rough day. The next day, Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. So just remember to drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. And the very first time I tried this, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, I did exactly as instructed. I drank a bottle of Z-Biotics before any alcohol and Eric, I was truly amazed at how good I felt the next day. Every time I've had Z-Biotics since it makes such a difference the next day, even the drinks the night before, or even after I know I'll be ready to tackle whatever we're doing first thing the next day. Uh, so give Zbiotics a try for yourself. And Eric, I know you've used it. What was your and Mrs. B experience having some of these before you had your alcohol? I was cynical. I didn't believe it. 
It's like, now this can't be true. This is too good to be true. If this is true. Somebody else would have thought of it a long time ago. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, but you know, they're sponsoring. So I should give it a try. Man. Was I glad I did it? It, it really, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as forceful with an opinion like this as I am. If it wasn't true, it's true. It works. And yeah, I used to be able to drink six, eight beers, you know, at night out hanging with friends, doing whatever or more and get up the next day and not even, you know, recognize that I had had some drinks the night before. I'm not that guy anymore. You know, it, and it's funny because the cleaner you eat, I'm Mrs. B and I are on a pretty, pretty healthy diet. Very, very clean. And the cleaner you eat, if you're not eating a lot of junk food and garbage food on a regular basis, I don't notice it as much if I am. But if I'm eating clean and I'm not eating that stuff, man, a couple couple cocktails could could put put me put me flat on my butt the next morning. Didn't feel it, man. Didn't feel it. Went out one night the first time I tried it. I, we went out to dinner with friends. Very social environment. Fun night. I probably had my six eight beers, maybe a cocktail in between. Got up the next morning, did a podcast with you at seven o'clock in the morning, my time. And I forgot that I even went out the night before. I didn't forget, but I mean, I didn't feel it. That was, it's awesome. And I will not leave the house without mine. I am coming to Nashville fully loaded. Dude, I, I, I want you to understand what we're saying. This is science guys. This isn't something that, you know, is willy nilly. This is the real deal. They're going to break down. They're going to break down the bad stuff in your stomach. Think about that. The world's first genetically engineered probiotic. Goodbye byproduct. Goodbye feeling bad the next day. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com forward slash 83 weeks to get 15% off your first order when you use 83 weeks at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com slash 83 weeks. And use the code 83 weeks at checkout for 15% off. Thank you. Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, we're probably oversharing, you know, but I, I know that through this whole process of, of Bruce being back, he's worked really closely with both Stephanie and Hunter. And I know there's a whole lot of folks who say, oh, they hate each other. That's just not reality. Nah, 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 nah. Look, because cause people hang on to, you know, rumors and shit. Yes. Yes. And, and actual events, like some shit went down. Bruce got fired. Yeah, but th that was 15 years ago. It was 15 years ago, and everybody's kind of grown up a little bit and moved on. So move along, folks. But the, but the narrative, it, it, all that bullshit, you know, it stays alive. And it'll be, oh, remember that 15 years ago? It's And assuming it's true today. Here's my experience with Stephanie McMahon. There could not be a better CEO, co-CEO of that company than Stephanie. She is amazing. I know. When I worked, and I didn't work with her directly every day, but I did work with her. I went to meetings with her. I was involved in discussions with her and her team. She is a star. Yeah. And she's also, I think, very much like your father in that, look, I don't care what you did to me yesterday or you said about me yesterday. What can you do for me today in my business? Uh, she gets that, that uh, genetically, don't you think? Oh, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. She could give two shits about what you said about her on the internet, you know, 15 fucking years ago. Right. What can you do for my business? And do you have integrity in 
If you have something to offer and you have integrity, meaning she trusts you, you're, you're going to be fine. So I don't think I don't think personality in politics is really going. It's a long fucking winded way of saying this, right? I don't think politics and personalities is necessary. It's going to have an influence, but I don't think it's going to be a deciding factor. And I think it's all about what do the individuals want to do. Does Bruce want to stay? Is Bruce still motivated? Is is Kevin Dunn still motivated? Clearly, Stephanie and Triple H, we know the answer to that. But if they're motivated and everybody wants to achieve the same thing, then I don't think any politics or any personalities is going to be an issue. No. So now there's the difficult task of addressing what we don't know, you know, the rumor and innuendo because in full transparency, you weren't there. I wasn't there. We don't know, but supposedly when all of this stuff sort of hit the fan with the allegations against Vince and WWE uh, sometime in June, he met with the talent and said something along the lines of, I'm not going anywhere business as usual. A month and change later. He gone. And a lot of people sort of thought based on the way events went on, put himself on SmackDown the very next day and, and all that stuff or the very same day, whatever it was that it was sort of like that scene in Wolf of wall street where all the advice that was given to the Leonardo DiCaprio character. Jordan Belfort was supposed to leave. You should leave. Just go. Here's the mic address the troops and get out of here. Go live, go enjoy your, your wealth somewhere else, but for the good of the business or what have you. And, and the Jordan character played by Leo in that movie has a change of heart and I'm not fucking leaving. And that's the way it felt from the outside. Like, wow. Okay. It feels as if the the media or whoever, what all's going on is, Hey, your move. And it felt like he dug his heels in the sand a month later. He's out. Now we don't know, uh, what the board said or didn't say. We don't know, uh, were there other stories coming or are there being worked on? There's rumors and innuendo that somebody's working on something with real sports with HBO. And certainly these headlines have been coming from the wall street journal and you and I are not privy to any of that. We're on the outside looking in, but it does feel like an about face from allegedly the talent meeting a month ago. I'm not going anywhere business as usual. And then he sends a, a note out to all the talent, a message through their internal system. I'm 77. Gosh, am I OMG? Am I really that old or whatever? And he's out of here. And then he sends a tweet out after the stock market closes on Friday, which feels strategic. And says time to retire. And that feels like an about face. I think a lot of people, myself included thought that if Vince McMahon left, it would be, if he lost control of WWE, they would take it to use the phrase from his cold, dead hand. And that didn't happen. And now a lot of people, because of some of these reports that have come through the wall street journal, they villainized Vince and and all these new stories have popped up and they think that they know who Vince is and, and the type of person he is. And as you and I've said here on the program before, I don't think anybody's all good. 
I don't think anybody's all bad. Everyone has character flaws and defects in their character. And I'm sure you and I in our personal and even in our professional life, we'd say, Ooh, wish I had that one back. And man, you've been really open and honest on the years that we've been doing this show and you've shared the same, but now there is this sort of, I don't know. There is a group sort of wringing their hands out and other folks ding dong, the witch is dead. And, and, and I, I don't think either one of those are necessarily fair. And again, I don't know what happened. I'm sure stuff will come out, whatever it is, but I have a theory. Okay. Ironically, Vince made his retirement announcement on July 21st, which was the anniversary of the date that he was found not guilty. Yeah. By the federal government, the steroid trial. I think it's one day before, but same thing. One day before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Close enough. So what's the difference between that Vince McMahon and this Vince McMahon? Well, one was, one was accused by the federal government of, of distributing steroids. I mean, no, 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 no. I I know that I was a rhetorical question. Yeah. But if we look at the two Vince McMahons, we know what the the federal steroid trial was about. We know he was accused. Yeah. And we knew that he got found not guilty, but we also knew this guy was facing serious fucking jail time, federal time, not yeah. county jail time, right. not, you know, Paul Pelosi, DUI jail time, not country club jail time. This guy's going to federal prison and he chose to fight. A lot of guys wouldn't a lot of, that he chose to fight. Yes. Why didn't he choose to choose to fight now? What's the difference? I think the difference right now, uh, number one, he is 77 years old. Oh, well, that's right? a major difference, right? Yeah, that's, that's gotta be part of it. And as much of his, uh, of a, uh, of a freak of nature as Vince McMahon has been documented to be from a work ethic. If you want to call it that, I'll call it obsession in his case, but from his upset, his uh, uh, obsessive compulsive need to work 18 to 20 hours a day that's probably been affected. And even Vince has got to realize he's 77 years old. That's number one. Number two, when he fought the federal government, it was a privately held company. Mm -hmm. He had no one to be responsible to, but himself and his family. There you go. That's an easy choice to make. Mm -hmm. He's now chairman. He was chairman and CEO of a publicly held company. Right. You don't get to exert the same choices and decisions as a CEO of a publicly held company as you can with a privately held company. You have to change the way you look at things. That's number one. Here's number two. Let's go back to Vince's real core nature, though. One thing all of us agree when it comes to Vince McMahon, what's best for business? That's true. Bringing back Ultimate Warrior working with people that have sued him, work with the people that have accused him of all kinds of unsavory <laughs> professional things, giving Eric Bischoff a job, whatever you know, <laughs> it's, it, you know, when, when you're the, when you're the face of a creative professional wrestling company and you're out there engaged in controversial things, inevitably you're going to get splattered with a lot of negative shit. Yes. It's just part of the cost of doing business. 
But at this, this that just ran off his back. He could care less. Yeah. But I think at this point, Vince, in a way, kind of went back to the same thing he's that, that helped make him successful is do what's best for this business. There you go. And I think Vince was faced with the do what's best for this business, regardless of what's true, what's not true, what's rumor, what's innuendo, what's going to be, you know, possibly be revealed. Uh, or maybe what's revealed is just a popcorn fart. Cause let's be real people. I got to do this, man. I know I'm going to, I'm going to walk a fine line here, but there is a slush fund in the United States Congress whose sole purpose is to pay off and create non-disclosure agreements for individuals who accuse people within Congress of all kinds of sexually related things, harassment, abuse, and probably others. And these lawsuits never come to fruition because Congress doesn't want any, doesn't want that press. So they all agree. All right, let's all kick in a little cash here, right? All of us to protect, to, to protect Congress because we know this shit happens and we don't want people finding out. That kind of thing happens in politics. It happens in, in leadership in this country. It happens in, in, in churches. It happens in schools, school teachers, police officers. There's not a dog catchers for crying out loud. There's not a line of work in this world where you don't have people making bad choices and decisions and looking for a way to, to mitigate it and keep it quiet. Well, but a lot of people, Eric will say, yeah, but it's, 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 it's high time. He was held to account. That's what the critics. I'm not, I'm not, ju- I'm not justifying it. Okay. Why is it high time? He'd be held to account, but Congress people get away with it all day long. Well, but that's what about ism. Like we're, we're, we're talking. Well, it is. What about ism? It's a double standard is what it is. And that's my point. What, what Vince did or didn't do. It, 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 let's just. Well, I don't want to speculate on that because we don't know. If, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I, that's where I was getting, I don't mean to cut you off, but no. it feels like a lot of people who are like celebrating. It's like, why are they celebrating? Yeah. Like, I mean, we don't, we don't have all the information and certainly there's been some, I mean, gosh, darn, if we were going to hold every, and, and by the way, I'm not giving Vince McMahon a pass. I mean, let's, let's be clear. The last thing neither I, of us are, no, neither of us are. I'm I, just trying to keep it in perspective. I, I, I feel like a lot of folks. Uh, are celebrating the idea that he's not here anymore. And, and, and we all kind of thought, let's go back 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. I think we all kind of thought, Hey man, Hunter and, uh, Hunter and Stephanie are going to get the keys to this thing sooner rather than later. Well, it happened. Maybe we took a sort of a crooked course to get here, but we're, we're there now. And I think we should be talking about what this is going to look like with their hands on the steering wheel. That's really exciting and motivating to me. Instead of looking back and trying to, and don't get me wrong, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm, you know, whatever, but it just feels, I don't know. Like it's hypocritical. It makes you uncomfortable. And that's why if someone relies on you financially, your spouse, your child, anyone life insurance gives you the peace of mind that they'll have a financial cushion. If something ever happens to you by making it easy to compare your options from top companies, Goliath life helps make sure you're not paying a penny more than you have to. 
for the life insurance coverage you need to protect those you love. At GoliathLife.com, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. The process is fast and easy with no hidden fees, upsells, or hassles. Goliath Life is your one-stop shop to find the life insurance you need at the right price. Head to GoliathLife.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's GoliathLife.com. Let's talk for a second about the reasons why. Why would anybody find any sense of joy or optimism? I'm not going to say that because I'm optimistic for WWE. I'm very optimistic for all the reasons that we talked about. I think the creative process is going to to, to be a much better environment in an in a better environment, re, you know, reveals a better product. So I'm excited and optimistic, but if, if you're, if you're, you know, clapping and cheering and throwing a party, cause ding dong, the witch is dead. Oh my God. You know, it's probably because you're a weak fucker. It's probably because you're, you, you have no sense of the impact, the positive impact that, Vince has had on this industry and you're probably one of those little tribal juvenile mentality kind of dirt sheet universe people that you know, oh my God, you know it's about time you know now my favorite wrestling promotion could be number one it's like oh, okay hang on to that little boy you're so cute you little puppy you're so cute it's People that generally find any kind of pleasure in someone else's misfortune are usually the weakest, saddest people. That's my take. And in wrestling, unfortunately, especially in social media, is a very tribal, juvenile environment. So you're going to hear and see a lot of that. But I don't think it represents the way people really feel about this. I think people, I, I see a lot of how people really feel about events, even those that are critical of them. And I also see punk ass little motherfuckers that are jumping up and down and cheering and think that they've actually accomplished something. Well, well, hang on now. Let's, let's be clear about this. If you're jumping up and cheering because you didn't like the creative process, well, you're celebrating a guy losing his job and I know he doesn't need the money, but still let's not, let's not be, this was Vince's life purpose. This company gave a, a man's life purpose. And you could say, well, that's shitty. It should have been this, or it should have been that or whatever. But I often, I mean, I kind of wonder like, man, I hope this isn't like one of those. Let me pause for a minute. What's Vince going to do now? Like this was his whole life. And so it would be easy to say, well, maybe he'll just decide to go, you know, rest on his laurels. Well, what have we heard about Vince McMahon that would make you think he would want to do that? Well, maybe that's what worries me the most. Maybe God, he'll go travel work. and vacation and, and see the world. What makes you think he wants to do that? I've never heard of him taking a vacation. Maybe he takes a day off, but even that's rare. Like, and so, you know, I don't mean to be negative and Lord, I'm not trying to be, but Eric, we've all heard stories of like, there's this old couple been together 60 something years. And then out of the blue, darn it. He lost her. She passed away. And 90 days later, he was gone too. Because they were each other's purpose. And on some level, that was kind of WWE and Vince to me. And I just, not on some level, I'm like, what, what, what's he going to do now? It's weird to think about him just on a yacht somewhere. Can he afford the biggest yacht they make? Absolutely. But is he going to have fun with it? Probably not. 
is he going to just like, I know he's not going to, he doesn't need to clip coupons, but can you imagine him just pushing a buggy through a grocery store? Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like that image is, uh, it's embedded in my brain. It's hilarious to even think about. And I, I don't want to celebrate a guy losing his life's purpose and, and what he wanted to do. I don't like that. Now, this is the other part of that. If you're one of those folks who aren't just celebrating cause, oh, he's out of the creative process and my TV program will be better. And we all agree. It probably might be. Set that aside, as you like to say, and now let's talk about the other side. The other folks who are celebrating are celebrating because they feel like justice has been served. And certainly there are some things, if you dig hard enough or look long enough, you'll find about Vince that you think, "Mm, I don't really like that, but we don't have all the details on a lot of those situations. And certainly these latest ones, we just have this much information and I'm not saying we need more information out there. I'm sure some of it's going to come, but what I am saying is a lot of the stuff that we villainize folks about in wrestling or on TMZ and things like that are rumor and innuendo. We don't have the full context, but I think we all agree without exception that if bad stuff was happening, that if abuse existed, uh, we want justice served. We want that to stop. We, we, we want no more of that, whatever that is. But none of us, most of us have no idea what any of this even really means. And so I just think there's a lot of rush to judgment here and I'm not giving Vince a pass. I'm just saying, I I don't know what happened, but I'm even more unsure about what the future is for Vince and for WWE because they've just become synonymous with each other. And like, it would be really hard for me to imagine the UFC without Dana White. Dana White's been not only one of the owners and a figurehead and a spokesperson and the guy out front. The UFC's approach to business is based on Dana White's personality and his leadership. And that's all we've really ever known of WWE. And that's all weird to me. So I'm kind of conflicted. I I heard a guy a long time ago in sales say the definition of mixed emotions is your mother-in-law driving off a cliff in your brand new Cadillac. And I, and I feel like there's a lot of folks who were really excited about it, who don't really understand. And there's a lot of folks who are really sad about it, who don't really understand. So I'm just kind of like, man, I don't know what to think, but I know that I treat people how they treat me. I've had, I don't know, two dozen interactions with Vince. Every one of them has been phenomenal. Uh, he has always been a, a classy individual to me and over the top and high marks. And, and I think of him in high regard and. I don't know everything that's happened. And so there's some people who are listening to this who probably do. And now think I'm a piece of shit. Cause I said he was a nice guy, but that was my experience. But you know what, man? And that's a part. That's, that's the only thing. It, it, I'm going to be careful. Don't I, be careful. I deal, it doesn't bother me. Like I, I'm going to say something and it'll probably make it sound like it bothers me more than it does. But social media is I've learned especially over the last few years as our show has gotten more popular and I keep saying shit that seems to be more controversial all the time, but you have to learn how to turn off social media. And one of the things, you know, it's really cool. Conrad is, and I talk about this in my book, grateful. It's coming out in November, shameless plug. Sorry. But I, I did an interview the other day and it was a Q and a thing. And I was being asked, you know, what did, what, what did I learn about myself 
what did I learn, you know, in, in the process of writing this book? And one of the things I've learned, which was really an extension, it began with this podcast, is being truly honest with yourself is probably one of the more difficult things I've ever had to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. I can, I learned how to fly an airplane by instruments in the clouds, in the dark. And I could land a plane on a strip of pavement, two cars wide, less than the length of a football field without ever being able to see it. Proud of that. I've accomplished a lot of different things in my life that I'm proud of physically, professionally, whatever. In, in, in the pursuit of any of those things, I never had to overcome something as challenging as learning how to be really honest with myself. And it's going to be a lifelong ride, right? I don't think, because you're always challenged. But one of the things that I've really learned in being honest with myself is recognizing that even within me, sometimes, sometimes it's subconscious, but it's in me. I sometimes like to see the mighty fall. We all do as a culture, as a society. We, we cheer people on as they're, you know, climbing up the ladder. And Elon Musk, perfect example. Now, some, you know, comments and political things, and all, all of that factors into it. But we, for whatever reason, we cheer people on as they're climbing that mountain because we're living vicariously through them. And we think, therefore, the grace of God go I. And yeah, I can, and you, you want to see them succeed. Go back to WWE in the mid-90s when I was competing with WWE. And it was the Monday Night War. One of the biggest battles I had to overcome is because 80% of the audience was for WWE. And I had to change that. You know, and and I never quite accomplished that, obviously. But I think when anybody, whether it's a cel- an actor, an actress, a musician, a politician, an icon of the business community, community, we all want to see them rise and we all want to be there to watch them fall. It's a sad commentary. I found myself doing it when I'm really honest with myself. But why do I feel the way I've... Am I kind of taking a little bit of glee in that comment? I'm just like everybody else. That's a weakness. That's a flaw. And I think Vince is right now, part of it is because of the nature of the allegations and the the controversy. The nature of it is a hot topic, as it should be. I'm writing it off. But at the end of it all, I think it's more driven by people just wanting to see the mighty fall. That's why comeback movies always work, man. They want to see you rise, they want to see you fall, and they want to see you come back again. It's just a sad part of human nature, I think. I um, I don't know how to feel on all this Vince stuff. I know the little kid in me uh, is really thankful that Vince McMahon brought these cartoon characters and put them on my TV set. And I could turn off He-Man and G.I. Joe and turn on Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and Demolition and the Ultimate Warrior. And that's really, really awesome. I hear some negative stuff and I wish none of that was true and don't really know what is or isn't true. 
but gosh, I just hate that. We, as you said, as a society, we just love to give high fives when something bad happens to anybody. Um, but I do hope that if bad stuff was happening, it's not happening anymore. And I hope that this clears a path for us to move forward and get better and things that used to be socially acceptable, you know, in our, you know, just America in society, in the world, we've just gotten better and I hope we continue to get better. But just because that changes, it doesn't mean we need to look back and say, well, everything that this guy did was good or bad. I just don't think that's fair. You know, there's, I don't know, but I, oh, it, 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 it's not fair. And it's usually the reflection of the weakest part of a community. And, and I'm anxious to see, I'm excited to see, I'm motivated to see what does WWE look like without Vince. And I'm going to be watching this weekend for SummerSlam. I know you are too. And, uh, that's not all we're going to be doing this weekend. I can't believe this is real, but you being the good sport you are have agreed to subject yourself to the roast of Ric Flair. Wait a minute. What the fuck? I'm not getting roasted. Ric Flair is getting roasted. What do you mean? Subject? I've agreed to subject myself to fucking what Conrad, you know, something I don't know. I'm going to show up. I'm going to tell a story or two. I'm going to take a safe shot from across the fucking room at Ric Flair. Hopefully somebody will chuckle and I'm going to get a beer. What else is going on? Have you seen a roast before? Not, not in a while. It's not just going to be live rounds for the guy sitting in the throne. It's going to be live rounds for everybody on the dais. Whoa. You're going to have a, a dozen, a dozen dudes dunking on you, dude. What the fuck? Sorry. Then why, why even have was so 10 years from now, somebody says, Oh, Eric, you know, we're going to have a roast for you. You know, why would I do that? If I'm getting fucking roasted now, second payday, you can only, you can, (laughs) 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 well, you didn't tell me that part. (laughs) We're, we're having a lot of fun, but we hope you guys will join us this Friday night. Just a handful of days from now. We've been talking about Starcast for a long time. It's finally here, Nashville, Tennessee. There's still a handful of tickets on sale. Go to starcast.com. That's S T A R R C A S T.com. If you can't be there to join us in person, don't worry. They've got you hooked up on pay-per-view, not just fight. Of course, fight is my ride or die. I love everybody over there, whether it's Chernoff or Weber or Kim and the whole crew outstanding company who bring you these products and programs live and on demand forever and ever. Uh, and when you buy Starcast, by the way, not only do you get Starcast five, we're going to make sure you have access to one, two, three, and four. We're going to overwhelm you with value. You'll hear from all kinds of hall of famers. The first time we're going to hear from Paige with a live mic, Kevin Nash is going to be there doing his brand new hit podcast. Foley is pod will make its debut. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli, who just won the ring of honor world title. He's going to be there talking to Chris van Vliet. We're getting the band back together. Brian Danielson returns to action this Wednesday night, and he's going to be hooking up with his old pal Renee, and they're going to entertain us. Uh, and then as if that's not enough. Unbelievably, we've got the last ride of the horseman. I never thought we would get all those guys back together again for the first time. For the last time, Tony Schiavone will host the whole group. It's going to be fantastic. 
it's starcast.com, but we get things kicked off with the roast of Ric Flair. And I got the, the, the open to the broadcast, which by the way, is not just on fight. It's also on direct TV, dish network cable. Uh, you now, can, wait a minute. Is the roast on fight too? Yeah. All oh, in, so people are going to, so people outside of the venue are going to see this and there's going to be a record of it. People will know forever and ever that Eric Bischoff made a bad deal with Conrad Thompson, that Eric Bischoff signed up to be abused and Conrad didn't disclose it until five days I, before. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you, man. I thought it was just going to be a live <laughs> show, like our live shows that we do. And I'm like, I would have eh, fuck, whatever, you know, whatever. I'm cool with that. But there's going to be a lot. I don't know. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million or two people seeing this on pay-per-view. I think there'll be over a thousand, less than 2000 in the room. I forget how how many we have in in the setup. So it'll be, it'll be a packed house, but yes, folks in Australia can watch you get your ass roasted. How about that? I need an agent. You really do. You (laughs) really do. You're just letting me abuse you on this one, but you get to see the comeuppance because that's not all we're doing. All these panels and all these meet and greets, because you can meet Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair and Kevin Nash and Mick Foley and Claudio and Bret Hart and everybody else. They're all there. But on Sunday night, it's Ric Flair's last match. And we're bringing back Jim Crockett promotions one last time. For a super show that everybody's talking about, uh, it's an 11 match card. We've got a pre-show and the pay-per-view. It all happens this Sunday, live from municipal auditorium where Ric Flair won two world titles, famously beating, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat in the last match of that trilogy and even beating the macho man in a starcade. This is the same building where Roddy Piper put Hulk Hogan at the height of the NWO to sleep in the main event in December of 1996. A lot of history there, and there will be more added to it when Ric Flair walks that aisle one last time. And this past week, we got to see episode two of the docuseries where it was revealed that it's going to be a tag match. Ric Flair was attacked in a parking lot by Jay Lethal. Jeff Jarrett claims he tried to help and then absolutely obliterated Rick with the help of Karen Jarrett's high heel shoe. And he's turned to his son-in-law, not me, the badass one. Andrade and it's going to be a tag match and you got to see episode two last week. Episode three comes out tonight at six Oh five Eastern at Ric Flair's last match.com. What'd you think of episode two, Eric? And, and what do you expect to happen this Sunday night on pay-per-view? I, I really want to break episode two down with you, but I want to wait until after this is all over to do it. Um, and tell me how shitty it was. No, I'm going to tell you why I thought it was one of the best things I've seen done in wrestling in 20 years. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I want to talk about why. Okay. Because otherwise I'm just putting it over and people would expect me to put it over because we're friends. Yeah. 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 Partners to a degree. So people expect me to do that. That's why I want to wait. But I think that, I mean, episode one was exactly what act one should be in any movie, book, television show, whatever wrestling match beginning. So you got to start the journey somewhere. 
what starts this journey? What's the reasons? Be, what's the motivation behind your 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 central character to begin to take that first step in the many steps of this journey we're about to join? I think I think the first the the, the first uh, episode did a great job. I think the second episode, in my opinion, from a pure just. I don't care if it's a Super Bowl. I don't care if it's Tiger Woods in golf or Ric Flair in wrestling. Stories make sports work. And capturing and, and communicating those stories is the difference between something that is just fantastic and something that just checks the box. I think the second episode created more emotion for me than just about anything I've seen in wrestling in a long time. Real emotion, not Pavlov dog emotion. Google it. Pavlovian response. Google it, bitches. I'm not talking about Pavlov dog basic reaction. I'm talking about real emotion that transcends what it is you're watching, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's golf, or whether it's wrestling. And the second episode really did that. I got a couple issues with it, but we'll talk about that after. Because that's the fun part. That's a collaboration part. Yes. That's that's the fun part of doing it, you know, in a positive environment. I hope you guys will check it out. At the end of this episode, uh, we will air episode two. Uh, so you'll be able to see it in its entirety on YouTube. Uh, so if you're watching or listening to us on YouTube, we'll have it tacked on to the end. And tonight at six Oh five, it'll be the last episode before the main event. Uh, but here's a little scoop for you. It's not the end of the series. We're going to do one more episode after the fact, uh, we'll have some cameras following Rick around, just documenting this experience. We want to share it with the world, but the actual pay-per-view, uh, the, the, the pre-show goes live at six Oh five Eastern. That's earlier than most pay-per-views, but we're trying to pay homage to Jim Crockett promotions and the old six Oh five start times from back in the day. And we're doing that with a lot of the card too. representing the rock and roll express. We've got Carrie and Ricky Morton. That's father and son of the rock and roll express. And of course, Robert Gibson in their corner, and they'll be taking on the representatives representing the horseman. Arn Anderson will bring his son Brock to the ring to team with Brian Pillman's son, Brian Pillman, Jr. It's an old school tag match, the rock and rolls versus the horseman, but a second generation. How great is that? Eric? It, it's kind of fun. It's a kind of emotion. Yeah. I keep using that word, but that's what we're talking about. That's why you go to live events to experience that live emotion in a community kind of environment. Cause the person next to you is excited and you're excited. And the two of you together are even more excited. That's what makes a live event work. And, 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 and I think the emotion that's going to be created because it's nostalgia, but yet it's still kind of current, you know, you got Miro in this match, you know, so of course it's Rick and it's Jay lethal. And obviously, you know, Jeff Jarrett is now front and center and become the most important part of the equation. <clears throat> Jeff, good job, buddy. That's that old school Memphis stuff. You know, you would just work your way right in there. Boom. Before you know it. You know, you're willing to bring some hot dogs and some Kool-Aid to the picnic. And now all of a sudden it's your picnic. Yeah. Damn. Jeff for that one, brother. Jeff doing (laughs) what Jeff does, man. He wants to insert himself, make it all about him. 
But I think in that, in that environment, because it's nostalgia, because it, there's so much about what makes all of us, even if we don't know each other, but we're all part of this event, the one thing that binds us is our love, respect, and our history and experience with Ric Flair, the wrestling guy. And for a lot of people in that building, you know, Ric Flair is going to take them back to their teenage years when they were real young and growing up or for guys, my age, even we're going to go back and remember Rick when he first started. And because at that, when, when we were that age, when Rick first started wrestling meant something different to us than it does today. Well, guess what? When you're sitting there and you're watching that match live, you're going to relive those moments. That's the awesome part of this cool balance of nostalgia and history and legacy and respect, along with all these new guys that are out here doing amazing things in the ring, too. And I think that balance is going to create so much because it's very unique. I think anybody's done anything like this before. Um, I, I think it's going to be a very, very unique experience that people are going to want to revisit down the road. In a weird way yeah. too, it's sort of the NWA versus AEW there because you can see the Mortons on the NWA. Of course, you can see Brian Jr. and Brock on AEW. So that's a little interpromotional matchup. And another big interpromotional matchup with real implications is Jacob Fatu, the longest reigning MLW World Heavyweight Champion in history, trying to take the Impact World Title off of Josh Alexander. And there's been a lot of talk in the last year or so about the Forbidden Door. But now we've got an interpromotional match with real stakes as a friend of mine likes to talk about. What do you expect to see with Josh Alexander and Jacob Fatu? What a lot of people consider to be the co-main event. You know, I don't know either one of them well enough to, to predict how they individually, um, are going to approach this. I do know that this is probably as much actual high visibility as Possibly either one of them have experienced outside of their own shows. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for them to showcase. And here's the fun part. You give young talents an opportunity in a kind of a high profile manner outside of their original, you know, their, their typical controlled environment. And now they get a chance to shine and get some buzz and create some chatter. You get the best out of people. And I think that's what a lot, I think that's, what I expect at least, even though I may not know a lot of the, the younger talent that are performing, I may know who they are, but I don't know them. Um, but irregardless, I think you're going to see a much higher level of performance out of all of them than you may typically see them, see in them in their more typical presentations. That makes sense. The show that's the occasion. This is a big occasion. They're in a the card with Ric Flair for fuck's sake. Yeah. Come on right there. Just when you get up out of bed that morning and you get ready to go take a shower and you're thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Oh, I got to take out the garbage. Oh, I got to feed the dog. Oh my God. I'm wrestling in what could be the main event on a card with Ric Flair. <laughs> That's going to up your game. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Speaking of the main event this past weekend, uh, the Briscoes main evented the ring of honor show against FTR. And uh, unfortunately they came up on the B side. They're looking to bounce back with a win over a legendary name, the Von Eriks Marshall and Ross will be here. The sons of Kevin Von Eric, the former MLW tag team champions. Of course, the Briscoes have won the ring of honor titles more than a dozen times. 
this is going to be a first time ever match, just like Jacob Fatu and Josh Alexander. And even our main event, these guys have never wrestled each other. This should be a hard hitting affair with real interest from fans of tag team wrestling. And there's even a rematch on this show. We got Harry Smith, uh, AKA Davy boy Smith, jr. Another legacy talent, uh, trying to uh, go two and O against killer cross who will have his new bride, Scarlett Bordeaux in his corner. They've only wrestled one time before it happened at Josh Barnett's blood sport. Just to explain, that's where they remove the ropes and it's an old school grappling style match. This will be under traditional professional wrestling rules and uh, killer cross has a chip on his shoulder. He's looking to avenge that loss. It's a, a, a big time rematch. New Japan is sending a match. We had Clark Connors versus Ren Narita. Clark has, uh, come up injured. So new Japan will have us a replacement there, but they always steal the show. I can't wait to see that one. Another thing that could be billed the co-main event, Rachel Ellering. That's right. Her dad was Paul Ellering, and she's going to be here trying to win the impact championship from Jordan grace and Diana Perrazzo. It's a three-way dance for the women's title for impact. It's going to be huge. The match that Meltzer called a potential match of the year candidate happened at the last triple mania. It was a five-way. We have four of those saved five competitors here. Ray Phoenix, Taurus, Laredo kid, and bandito Meltzer said the other day, this would steal the show. And it's going to be the match that represents triple a. And, uh, I love the idea, Eric, that we've got literally every organization in the world sending talent and having representation, but having a fast paced Lucha match to start the show was sort of a hallmark of nitro. What do you expect? I mean, this is just going to be chaos in this four way. Is it not? No, I see. And here's the cool part. I know how I've seen this movie a million times, seen it. And it's probably more true today than it was when I was watching it happen every single week on TV. You're going to put that match out there, lose your match, kick off the show. Everybody's already got a heightened sense of urgency, excitement, expectation. This is an opportunity. Everybody wants to be the match that people talk about the most. And you're kicking things off with a luchador match. Well, I don't think that'll actually kick it off. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, again, I you said they were, I, I'm just saying you used to kick off nitro that way because you right. knew it's going to be, it's going to set the pace and these guys are going to go tear it up. Meltzer thinks it'll steal the show. I think what might start the show is a dream match. It's happened once before, but it was on an independent non-televised event 12 years ago. But if you go back 10 or 15 years, people weren't talking about FTR as being the greatest tag team of the world. They were saying it was the American wolves and the motor city machine guns. And they're getting together to prove once and for all, who's the best tag team. Okay. The, okay. Point noted. That is not a Lucidor match only because they're not Mexican. This match is going to be, it's going to have all of the excitement. It's going to have 90% of it. It's not going to have the colorful because again, the presentation is different, right? Yes, the history, yes, yes. the culture the legacy. I learned the hard way. <clears throat> Sorry, Ray. Is much, much different. <laughs> but um, the quality, the, 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 pres- the physical dynamics and the presentation that you're going to see in that match, I, I haven't seen Motor City Machine Guns in forever. Don't care because I know what I'm going to get. It's yep. going to be fucking awesome. And what I was about to say is everybody watching behind the curtain who's, co- who's going to be following are going to be watching that match more closely than anybody sitting at ringside. Cause they're going to know 
they've got to outperform that. And that is going to be hard to outperform. So, and that just raises the bar, right? Makes everybody better. We just announced it this week, two more matches. The final two matches, or I guess it was last week. Now a four-way dance, Jonathan Gresham, who's all over the news as you and I are recording. He just lost his ring of honor world title uh, to Claudio Castagnoli and apparently asked for his release from ring of honor. So there's going to be a lot of folks talking about this one when he takes on Takeshita, who's turned all kinds of head heads in AEW. I think we fast forward a few years from now when people look back and say, holy shit, Takeshita was on Ric Flair's last match. And I think they'll be saying that about the next big thing, Nick Wayne, who has become an indie darling superstar. I think he's made his first trip across the pond. As you and I are recording, he's turning heads everywhere he goes. He is going to be a superstar in this business. He's only 17 years old, Eric, and we've got him here. And then rounding out the match will be Alan angels who stole the show a few years ago against Kenny Omega recently decided to carve out his own path outside of AEW. He's looking to uh, prove some people wrong. He's got a chip on his shoulder and I think that is going to be a barn burner. But then how about this for old school, an old fashioned, this, I think this will be the main event of the pre-show, the bunkhouse battle Royal. And the winner gets a bronze boot and a beautiful belt buckle that says the bull of the woods. We're paying tribute to dusty roads as best we can on JCP's last show here with the bunkhouse battle Royal. And we just invited bully Ray, uh, and James storm to be our first two announced entrants. I think we've got most of them announced, but, uh, I get hit up every day with a few more folks who, uh, who want to be a part of this. It's going to be something for everybody, but. I'm pretty proud of this, man. We got 11 matches announced. It's going to be an hour long pre-show or a 55 minute pre-show. And then hopefully a three hour pay-per-view, but you know, Rick, if Rick wants to go a little long, who's going to stop him. Uh, so unlike, you know, present company, we paid for a little extra satellite time, Eric. So it won't be Halloween havoc, 1998. You're going to get to see the whole, (laughs) you just couldn't leave it. go. You just can't leave those moments. Go. Here's what I'm excited about. You, you and I, I hope you're sticking around. I think you are. We're going to get to be there for the last JCP show. You were a big part of what happened after JCP was no Moss. You got to work really closely with David Crockett and Mike Weber and all these guys for a long time. And more importantly, the history you have with Ric Flair and now me and you working on this podcast, we're going to get to be in the building to experience all this. I'm pretty pumped, dude. I, th- I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be a special weekend and, and I'm looking forward to every aspect of it. I, I fully intend to be, if not at ringside, damn close to it, um, for all of it, not just parts of it, you know, cause I, I want to experience this. It's, it's one of the things, you know, looking at the, the Ric Flair documentaries, you know, one and two. And I think Rick probably did did a better job articulating it than I have been able to. But and it wasn't even Rick; it was Magnum TA. Magnum TA is the one that really hit the nail on the head better than anybody I've heard when talking about the why of it all for Rick. Why is Rick going back out there? And as 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 I heard Magnum, you know, talk about that feeling, that energy, that connection, that vibe, whatever kind of hippy dippy shit you want to call it. Um, it's real. Yeah. It is just real. 
And there's, as, as Magnum said, I'm paraphrasing, there's no other way to get that. Mm-hmm. It, you can't get in the bottle. You can try. You find out the hard way that doesn't work. Right. You know, you can get it in a vial. You can go to the doctor and get a prescription for it. You can do all kinds. You can do, you know, engage in bad behavior, hoping to get that kind of rush again. Guess what? It doesn't happen. I've been there. I've done some shit. I've chased that buzz. Doesn't happen. Again, being totally honest, there's no other way to get that incredible feeling than to walk out there and make that connection with every single person that's in that venue. And it's an exchange, brother. Rick's going to be giving it out. They're all going to be giving it back. And the power of getting it back is even for us sitting at ringside, or if you're up in the cheap seats, you're going to get it too. You're going to feel, you're not going to feel it like Rick is. Can't. It's impossible. But you're going to feel it. You're going to know it's there. And you're going to think the same. You're going to, you're going to think back to this podcast and us talking about this. Go, fuck, he's right. I'm going to go back and watch that Magnum thing because he's right. Not going to miss a second. I hope you guys check it out. Rickflairslastmatch.com has all the information. There's still a handful of tickets available. Uh, you can be in the building for 39 bucks. If you can't be there, no problem. You can watch this live anywhere in the world on dish, on cable, on satellite, whatever, but also on fight. Uh, all the information is there at rickflairslastmatch.com. And Rick is going to walk to the ring in his, one of his beautifully handcrafted robes, one made specifically for his retirement matches. He's had a lot of robes, but there will only be one that is his last robe and, uh, his last retirement robe from WWE in 2004 wound up in the Smithsonian. This one could be in your house. We're doing a robe raffle, uh, to benefit the first step foundation in honor of Reed flair, who unfortunately lost his life nine years ago to addiction. And, uh, we're trying to give folks a leg up who are trying to uh, take that first step in their new life on the journey of recovery. So Check it out at rickflareslastmatch.com and some, somebody is going to get Rick's retirement robe. It won't be in a museum. It'll be in a real deal. Rick flair fans home. So check it out. Rickflareslastmatch.com. We've done a lot of shilling, Eric. We've talked for an hour and a half. I kind of almost think we should wait and save your 2004 run for another time, uh, because we've just talked each other's ear off about all the news. I, I do want to ask, you know, when you take a look at the landscape with wrestling without Vince does this at all affect AEW in your opinion? No. Okay. No, I, I can't. Well, I, I can't, let me answer it differently. I can't imagine why it would affect AEW differently. I just wonder, I are there talent who went there who just for whatever reason, were never, ever going to see eye to eye with Vince, maybe Vince didn't see value in them the way they valued themselves. Maybe they had a personal issue and they didn't get along. I'm just wondering, not creatively necessarily, but as far as the roster goes, will folks who made a decision to go to AEW now be looking back and say, well, damn, if that was possible, this clears the way, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's just cut through the bullshit. Here. Not that not that what you said is bullshit, but let's just be really honest about it. Who that has left WWE because most of them were terminated, right? 
most well, part released. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, some of the contracts expired. Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli. Meaning nobody was fired and then ended it. Well, their contracts were expired. They weren't renewed because of budget cuts. There may have been some other ones. They all have different, but for the most part, this was a, okay. I've had my run in WWE. Now I'm going to go get an opportunity here for the most part. There were no controversial departures, right? Um, out of all of the people that have left WWE and found a home in AEW, most of them, I'm not even going to say this. There's very few people that I think have left WWE, gone on to AEW, that were looking to extend their career another five or ten years. This was a comfortable place to land for guys like Brian, Danielson, Paul White, um, insert whatever name you want here because they all probably have this in common. They had their run. Their time in WWE's son was over. And here they get an opportunity to get one more run, however long or short. Right. Out of that group that have gone over to AEW, how many of them would want to go back to to WWE, regardless of the circumstances? That's fair. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think many. Because none of them are 25 anymore. None of them, none of them are trying to you know, rebuild their careers long-term. They're ending their careers there for good reason. You know, it's a great opportunity. And yes. A, a fun company to work for, from what I read in here. Yeah. Um, some creative freedom and opportunity. A, a schedule that's not a, even a fraction of a fraction of what the WWE full-time schedule looks like. And the money's great. Why would you not go there? But after being there, would you want to go back to that grind? I don't think so. I don't think it's a WWE thing. No, I think there are probably, I'm only guessing. I don't know this. Just human nature. A little bit of experience. But I, I think there probably are some people that still have a little time left on their clock um, as a performer that maybe wish in a way they were in a part of this new environment, whatever it ends up being. Right. But other than Steve Regal, who probably will have, would have, would have had an opportunity to go back and work closely again with triple H yeah. doing something that he really loved. I know this for a fact. Yeah. Regal loved what he was doing. He didn't love the conditions he was doing it in. Right. But he loved the process. He's a teacher. He's a mentor. He's a master. And being able to share that was, I think, important to Steve. Is Mr. Regal now getting up in the morning going, huh, this is really fun and I'm glad I'm doing it, but ouch. Yeah. And there may be other people that fall into that category, but I don't, I, I think it's going to be one or two people. And the rest of them are probably glad they're where they're at. It's going to be interesting to see what wrestling looks like as we move forward. But I, for one, uh, can't wait to see, I'm excited about it. I'm motivated by it. And, uh, I greatly appreciate everybody even considering taking a look at what we're doing this weekend. I know that, uh, Eric's day and weekend and week is not going to be filled with dread about the roast, but it'll be over Friday night eventually. Uh, and then we can start having some fun with some meet and greets and panel discussions. And then the main event, man, Sunday. Uh, what a dumbass I am in hindsight too, Eric, you know, to think that I could help put together a documentary and a roast 
and a black label pro show and a game changer pro wrestling show and a new Japan pro wrestling show and an after party with DJs and bands. And oh, by the way, 10 panel discussions and Ric Flair's last match. My first time ever promoting a wrestling show is Ric Flair's last match. No pressure. What's wrong with me? I, I honestly, Conrad, this is amazing from a guy that's been promoting shit for 30 years or used to, um, at the highest of levels, what you have put together. And I've been, I've been here. What I've been listening to this. I went, I've heard the, Hey, what you, you don't say what if you say hypothetically, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember hearing them. So Eric, hypothetically, yeah. what if, and then boom, wow, that'd be pretty awesome. I don't know if you can pull that off. I mean, come on. Getting Ric Flair to wrestle, I, oh, I don't know. That, that, good idea, but come on. Hypothetically, <laughs> and then I've listened to all these hypotheticals now for a period of months, and all this hypothetical, all these hypotheticals have now become a tangible reality yeah. that has created such an amazing buzz. It's this is this is going to be about. I predict that. Within a couple of days of this being over, there are going to be headlines. There are going to be, there's going to be commentary that's going to blow people away. Cause I think it's as big as it sounds, it's going to be even bigger in the eyes of the audience when it's over. Cause I think it's going to be that good. Well, no pressure. I hope I can live up. No, to no. It. Hey, take. Hey, yeah. I just got to worry about people, you know, busting my chops on national television or international <laughs> television, humiliating me, bringing up things that I wish would never have fucking happened in my life. You know, when I was at my weakest moment, or when I was just being stupid. But yeah, that's gonna. Oh, everybody's gonna laugh. Oh, fuck! Look at Eric. He's square, man. Okay, that's cool. My night's gonna be a lot easier than yours, my friend. So I hope you enjoy the pressure because when you get up Sunday morning, you're going to be a lot more uncomfortable than I was on Friday night. I promise you. You're going to feel like you're giving birth to a fucking rhinoceros. It's, uh, it's going to be a stressful week for sure. Oh, oh, oh. I just want to be around you when it's over for like 20 minutes. Well, here's the thing. As you can imagine, Rick wants to have the be all end all of after parties after his last match. And I hope that somewhere you and I can find each other. How is he going to stay awake for it? What is this party going to start at midnight? Well, no, no. The show starts at six Oh five Eastern. So that's five Oh five local time. The pay-per-view should be done by nine. That's still local past time. His bedtime. It's past my bedtime. Well, I'll make it work. I hope you do. Uh, by the way, as a nice little footnote, I think you'll appreciate this. Did you know, uh, you don't know. I'm going to tell you now, uh, Rick's first wife, his mother-in-law, uh, my, my lovely bride's mom, Leslie, she's going to be in attendance for his last match. That's just, she was there for his first match. She'll be there for his last match. Uh, my daughter, Morgan, uh, Morgan's, uh, Megan's daughter, who I've had the pleasure of having in my life the last many years. She's going to get to see grandpa wrestle for the first time ever. This is going to be fun. This is going to be special. And not only that brother, 
stop showing for a second. Good on you. Good on you for doing something that's going to be this much fun, but is important. Yes. In a very unique way to so many people. David Crockett included. Yep. Good on you. All the Crockett's are coming, dude. Like I got like 20 something Crockett's coming, flying them all in, putting them up in the hotel. They're going to get to see it and feel it and see what Pawpaw used to do. It's super cool, man. I just, this is a, a love letter to wrestling fans. And it all was born out of a show we watched a few weeks ago that some people would say, why are we watching this? But ECW one night stand was that for me. It was the greatest wrestling weekend of my life. I loved ECW. It went down with a whimper. We didn't know it was going to be over. And then one day it was just gone and we got closure and, and we got to feel like we used to feel. And I think that's the reason you're listening to this podcast right now. Not necessarily because you couldn't wait to hear what Eric and I thought about Vince McMahon or Ric Flair's last match or whatever else we were going to talk about, but we all want to remember the way wrestling made us feel when we first fell in love with it. And so many people fell in love with Jim Crockett promotions and they fell in love with David and Tony on that old classic set. And they fell in love with the nature boy himself. And I want to be able to have them an opportunity to share that. Not just feel it one more time, but let's have grandparents bring their kids and those people bring their kids and their kids. So there's going to be four generations of fans in that crowd who grew up watching wrestling. And it's bigger than just Ric Flair and it's bigger than just Jim Crockett promotions, but this is something that made us all used to feel a certain kind of way. And we just want to feel that one more time. And I hope they feel it this Sunday at municipal auditorium. Cause I did in, in, in Hammerstein for ECW one night stand. And, and I hope I get to do that for, for Jim Crockett promotions fans one last time. Can't wait, brother. Can't wait. RickFlairsLastMatch.com tonight, 6.05 Eastern. You'll get to see episode three, but right now we're going to roll that footage from episode two. And I guess Eric is going to bust my balls about it one day soon. I can't wait to break this footage down, but I want you to take a look at episode two. Now hear what Magnum TA says. Maybe it'll add some context to the why I know a lot of folks are wanting to know why is Rick doing this? Take a look here at episode two. And I think you'll come away feeling the same way I do. F Jeff Jarrett. We'll see you this Sunday. Ric Flair's last match.com. Ric Flair is lacing him up one more time at 73. I see that Ric Flair is actually coming out of retirement for one last match. I bet you that raised a few eyebrows. When it comes to being in that ring, that might be where he's most comfortable. Rick knows if he's uh, healthy enough. And if it's something that brings him joy, brings him contentment, I wish him the best. He can't stand it. He's got to get back on that horse. I didn't even know that he would live. I never thought he would be back in the ring again. And I don't think he's thought this through. I mean, the fans are concerned about Rick's health. His struggles have been front page, right? They're no secret. I mean, let's just be honest. I guess good for him. But do you think it's really his last match? What Rick Blair is doing, uh, he's doing that because he loves this business. July 31st, Nashville, Tennessee. As promised, Rick Flair will walk that out one more time. Guaranteed with time to do the right time. Why is he doing this match? I think I know why he's doing it, but I'm not going to tell you that. But I, I think I know why he's doing that. But that's just a guess, and I could be wrong. But um, I, 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 I'm sorry. It's not money. It isn't money? No. 
then I'm wrong. Some people say you should never meet your heroes, but I guess those people's heroes weren't Ric Flair. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. What's this? What's going on here, huh? <laughs> What's up? Filming a documentary. They think this guy's got some talent. So growing up watching wrestling, if I if I had to credit me wanting to be a wrestler to one particular person, for me, it's without a doubt the nature boy Ric Flair. I kind of made a living off of uh, pretending to be Ric Flair. To be the man you've got. To be the man you've got to beat the man. I have tried my hardest to describe what it was like and what the feeling was of getting to work with my idol 10 years ago and it can't be done i've tried and as much as i try i feel like i never quite do it justice do you know where you are right now oh yeah uh, no 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 i'm asking you do you know where you are right now oh yeah in the world you want to survive in and be something in you're standing in front of god right now I mean, I was excited, nervous. At some points, I felt like throwing up from excitement. I, mean, I remember at one point when we were face to face in the ring, my literally my hands went numb. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Rick, I gotta say, from the bottom of my heart, I'm gonna get this footage and I'm gonna frame it and I'm gonna hang this on my wall because right now, this is the greatest moment of my life. And it was like a dream come true. And part of me was thinking, I hope my family is watching this. I hope the kids and my friends that I sat at the lunch table with in middle school and high school, I hope they were watching that. That's all I could think about and how excited I was. And I felt like, man, I am being put on the wrestling map because of Ric Flair. And in Elizabeth, New Jersey, there is a beautiful woman watching the television screen to coin a phrase with a tear in her eye because she knows that her little boy has made it because he's standing in the ring with the man. He's standing in the ring with the legend. He's standing in the ring with the Rook Flock. We stand here today i am helping that same person that i idolize uh get ready for what is to be his last and final hurrah in wrestling his last match uh and the fact that he has come to me like i'm even i can't even keep my hands still the fact that he has come to me to help him get ready there's no words in the dictionary uh to explain or describe how freaking cool this is for me. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Little girls, ah, look at them. <laughs> Slam off the top. Yeah, <laughs> brother. Today. Hey, I thought they had you pushing that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not there, man. Man. <laughs> I did it again today. Yeah. Don't don't show Rick though. <laughs> <laughs> These are my workout socks. A good guy that I trust. 
I, you know, it's you're good. When you walk away from it for that long and then be my age, I had to be really comfortable with someone that I trusted. My watch goes off. Every, every time he hits the ground, his watch goes, hey, did you fall? <laughs> He's got to clear the alert. Hmm. One of the toughest parts about this whole experience um, is in the back of your mind, or my mind anyway, uh, I know how old Ric Flair is, and he's still going. It's, a, it's an accomplishment and an honor, um, but also to be putting your body through this, have a little reservation about whether or not this is the safest thing to be doing, because this is, as they say, a young man's sport. Um, and the danger is there, uh, but we kind of all just try and tuck that away because to get to do this, it, it's literally worth it. I, to this day, I'm, I just turned 63 years old and I have never done anything that equals the adrenaline, the rush, standing in the center of a ring with 10, 20,000 people around you screaming so loud, it's like a white noise you can't even hear yourself think. It's, uh, you know, it's something that nothing else can really duplicate. Yes, there are skeptics that Ric Flair shouldn't do this, but again, we do not have the right to tell him what to do. Well, maybe it's something that he needs. You know, maybe this is his finalization. I mean, and you only live one time. It's your life, you get one of them. And look at all the flares been struck by lightning. He's been in car crashes, plane crashes. I mean, what else? I mean, there's nothing that can stop this man. <laughs> so like, if you're him, why not? Why not? Oh, I'm very happy for him. <laughs> I think this is great. Go out in the ball of fire. Jim Crockett Promotions did not go out the way it should have. That you and I both know that we fought it tooth and nail with everything that you've gone through. You know, personally, you want to finally do it your way. And not for the money, because I don't need it. Yeah. For once, I don't need it. <clears throat> it's fun. So many things in, in our lives that were f***ed Yeah. That we, we, I spent so much time looking back. Yeah, you can't. I forgot to look forward. Yeah, you can't. Me too. Yeah. Especially when I was sick. Yeah. Oh, when you were sick, I was. Yeah. Saw you in there all. You're like a space creature. You had all these tubes and everything coming out of you. Miracle. Uh, I thought I lost it. I woke up and had no memory of where I was for six months. I knew where I was going forward and could remember nothing yeah. about it. Thank God for your doctor. Yeah. That he didn't give up. He didn't. Really? Because when I got the call, it was, it's shutting down everything, and David, you need to come down. I know, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes. You know, anybody that hasn't 
walked a mile in his shoes, seen what he's seen, can't judge that man. I'm just so glad to see that he has overcome so many things and he's getting a chance to have that last match. All the naysayers and, and the things people would like to say about people trying to do something past their prime, this is really a celebration. This gym is Hard Knock South. I've worked with professional athletes of all types and only those who really want to put the effort in keep coming back because hard work is part of the ethos of this place. And Riggs certainly has that. I've seen clips online, I've seen him training, I've seen him on the, on the row machine. And I asked my dad, and I'm like, how does he do it? And he's like, Brock, he was just always a cardiovascular machine. There is a spirit in fighters that never truly dies. A hunger that never eases. A need to compete. A little while ago, I had some genetic tests performed on Rick. He scored higher than some professional athletes I've worked with. And it became evident pretty quickly once he started training here how uh, he got in shape really fast and he just keeps pushing it. Stuff that would leave me floored, he comes back for more. Me preparing for this match has been uh, just, you know, trying to get back where I was 35 years ago. It's hard to do. I'll be close. I just have to work on quickness and stuff like that. My endurance is good, but just have to keep working on every day. You might have broken bones, but you got strong. You might have broken bones, but you got strong. Cause I need to Strong footing to get my punches so made. And I need to win one. Give me back on my feet. Strong footing to get my punches so Crossbody, somebody off the top rope. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hey, well, I got to tell you, I, we had a plan today to uh, we promoted it and, and all that jazz. We were gonna have Jay Lethal on, uh, maybe show some of those old clips, the woo offs, and all the stuff from Impact. But no, uh, no Jay today. What's up with that? Uh, well, he, is he gonna hear this if I say it? I don't care. He's a, he's got an attitude. You want really? to? He wants to be part of the show. And I, I said, that ain't going to happen. You know how that happens, and all of a sudden, everybody's feelings are hurt. So I, I think he's upset with me. I told him the other day that he wanted to be on the card. I said, you know, it's not, it's no fault of his, but he's not seeing that light. 
Thank you. Yeah, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey, so real quick, real quick. Yeah. Uh, the July 31st monumental event. Is there any room? Yeah, you got. I have a lot of respect for you. You know that. We've been friends above and beyond. But you're a okay nice guy. In, in real life. I mean, I'm not I'm talking to you straight up. We're loading this up. We're loading this up with guys that have got a resume. Okay. All right. Okay. But this, okay. This, this, right. This, this, right. I, mean, I like to be honest with you, right? Yeah, no. I like when you tell me I'm fing around, fing off. No, no, I got it. I got it. I'll see you. Hey, I'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks, right. man. All right. Thank you. Okay. Love you too, man. Welcome to Nashville, Tennessee and the Nashville Fairgrounds. This is an exciting day for our city and for everyone who loves sports entertainment and everyone who loves the great Ric Flair. WWE Hall of Famer, third generation wrestling promoter, please welcome Jeff Jarrett. In my opinion, is Jeff Jarrett a horseman? Everybody can't be a horseman. That's a fact. Jeff was over a horseman. For sure he could have never kept the pace. <laughs> I said it, Jeff. <laughs> and of course, the man of the hour, the 16-time world heavyweight champion, please welcome the nature boy, Ric Flair. The event culminates on July the 31st with Ric Flair's last match. The event has grown so big, so many people want to be a part of it, that it's being moved to Municipal Auditorium in Nashville. Ric Flair, Mayor Cooper has dedicated July 31st to be the Ric Flair Day here in Nashville, Tennessee. Everybody out there, thank you for believing in me and thank you for giving me the opportunity. I promise you that on the 31st, I won't be Ric Flair of 89, but I'll be better than Ric Flair of 99. How about that? Ooh. No, not 99. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, 2009. <laughs> I had to think it was like, well, maybe 99. But anyway, depends on how much practice I can get out of lethally. It's just not for me right now. But <laughs> anyway, I'm honored. Thank you for coming out today. And uh, never be able to say how much this means to me personally. It seems like I've had more greater moments and more greater opportunities than any man alive. I'm here today in a lot of ways representing Conrad, uh, but talking about StarCast. Uh, I've got another role uh, in my life right now, but uh, I am I'm, I'm truly tickled to death to, to be a part of the three-day uh, celebration. Here's uh, two tickets for Jeff and his dad, front row. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, no, my, nothing's gonna happen. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was just moving back. I, I get it. He was gonna play a rib on him. He doesn't carry tickets around. He's gonna play a rib on me. I guarantee it. I no, get I'm it. Not. No, I'm not. We're gonna yeah, play. <laughs> so, do we want to keep going? No, we want, no we're gonna no, end no, it. We're going. No, we're going. No. We're gonna end it. All right. Looking forward to starting. Hey, there he is. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Great press conference. Hey, you even had the mayor's office out here, and I couldn't even get an invite. I had to fly myself out here. 
You're really gonna make me pick. I what? No, no, no. Shut up. On a serious note, I can't tell you how badly I feel used. You used me. All this time you used me. I just wanted a little bit, a little nugget. I couldn't even get on the show. That's I, that's disrespectful, and you know it. Could you put yourself in my shoes? Don't turn around. Don't touch me again. You see, this—that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I, that's I, what I'm talking about. I talk about. to horrible guys like you. That's right. Yeah, I that's about. right. You know what? Yeah. About time this yeah. happens. Oh, oh God! I'm about to die by surgery. Hey, come on! Hey, hey, with all due respect, come on. with all due respect, Crocker, right. this has nothing to do with you. He's had this. No. Time. Oh, hey, yeah, somebody, come on, come on, hey, hey, get the hell off me, Jay, Jay, get Jay, your Jay, hands Jay, off Jay, me, Jay, 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 Oh, oh, I'll help. I'll help you get him out. The man is my idol. Okay. Just, I'll help you get him. I'm telling you, quit. That's enough. I can't believe you're defending that. Guy. Oh, bull I can't believe you're defending him. After all, he's done. Jay, all he's seventy-something years old. <laughs> he don't act like it. He does not act like it. Get away from me. Yeah, you see. Wait, 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 just calm down. You see? I said f off, Jared. Tired of you and your old man. Stop. Jay. Hey! Wait a minute, come on. Come on. Jay, stop! God, Rick, get up, please. He deserves this! Every second of it! Every second of it! Jay, you have a right to be upset, stop. Help him up, Jeff! Yeah, good. Your help. I don't need nothing from you. Don't. I do. And I respect you. But in real life, but in your life, I can't see Oh, Oh, oh. Come on. Come on. Give me your shit. Give me your shit. Give me your shit. Give me your shit. Yeah, you see? You see? That's a hard way, guys. That's a hard way. You're damn right it is! Damn right it is! Hard way, guys! Stop! Don't say it! It's a f***ing 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 f***ing
what's real is yes. And Lethal and Jared will be ready. This is fucking family. It's real. And he's a bad mother. And he's my son-in-law. Please have a seat. This is going to be the saddest day of my life, beating the <laughs> my idol. This is why I'm here. Yeah. He's here because he married your daughter. That doesn't make him a badass. Oh, 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 oh this is why. Yeah, yeah, Jim Crockett Promotions presents Ric Flair's Last Match, July 31st at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. StarCast Weekend in Nashville, bringing wrestling companies together for one of the most unique cards ever assembled. Main evented by Ric Flair's Last Match. Tickets are on sale right now at rickflairslastmatch.com. And you can catch the show live streaming on pay-per-view and Fight TV for only $34.99. Ric Flair's Last Match. Walk in that aisle one more time for the last time. Rick, do you have anything to say to expensive car repair? They don't stand a chance against the money-saving roadside assistant, car shield, and slick rig. They better learn their ABCs, because we're always bringing car shield. Woo! Woo! The roads to Rick Flair, you kidding me? It's a nature boy. What are they going to say? I am... Woo! The man! Okay? You say what you want to say. Just remember at the end of the night, we're all said and done. I get to talk about you. Woo! The roaster Ric Flair. Woo! Look at his old ass. Look. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.